0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You
1: gotta be tough to be a hockey
2: player. I idolized Dominic Kasich. I played bully because of Dominic Kasich. My life in hockey has been
1: I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh?
2: Welcome, everybody, to episode 140 of Two Goalies, One Mike, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case on George Urban Boulevard. I am Dwayne Steinel, joined by Connor Hurley. Uh, here, I think, in the second period of tonight's Sabres game against the Penguins. Uh, fourth preseason contest. Uh, I think it's still a scoreless game. Um, Eric Hamry starting in net for Buffalo uh, after Buffalo lost yesterday in the Craft uh, Hockeyville game to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Hurls, how are you?
0: Doing well. How are you doing?
2: Uh, not bad, Matt. Just on vacation right now and enjoying time off I got and getting a lot of golfing while I can. Yeah. It's the time to do it. Yep. So, but um, obviously, as uh, Et is leaning into this, uh, we have on a special guest, returning guest, uh, Chris Peters from Flow Hockey, um, joining the show with us. Chris, uh, as always, it's great to have you on. Um, you know, uh, exciting year here in Buffalo for us. Um, I know you've d- done a lot of coverage on some of the young talent. That we have that we drafted this year, that we have drafted in the past couple of years. So always uh excited to get your insight on uh you know our, our our roster.
1: Yeah, hey, great to be with you guys again. Uh always fun to do it. And yeah, I mean, obviously very exciting time for Buffalo and in, in a lot of different ways for sure.
2: Exactly. And um, you know, as I stated before, we brought you in there in the middle of their um about halfway into their fourth preseason game against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, in which is feeling pretty much as close to an NHL lineup as you can get. Um, I know Crosby, Malkin, Carlson. they're all playing. I believe. I, who is their start? Is it? Is it? Uh. Chris and Jerry. Yeah. Is he? Is is Jerry in that? Yeah. Yep. Jerry's in that. Eric Komarina for Buffalo, a guy who is hoping to fight his way back into the uh, backup position for the Sabres. So. But again, like Sabres obviously getting a good look at a lot of the young talent that they've drafted uh, over the past uh, three to four seasons. Um, and Chris, again, you've done some extensive coverage on it, and I obviously get right into it. Um, one of the players that Buffalo is extremely excited about is, in fact, uh, Zach Benson. Um, I know that you guys have... Over at Flow Hockey have done some Extensive coverage on him um, He dropped uh, Quite a bit, and I would not say quite a bit But he went f- uh, further down the draft Board and I don't think Buffalo expected him to Fall to them uh, And just honestly Just your overall uh, opinion Of him leading into that draft What you've seen so far in his first NHL training camp, obviously the prospects Challenge, you know, just you know, Overall, just your uh, uh, Observations so far
1: yeah, you know, I ha- I haven't had a chance to watch his uh, preseason games. Um, but, you know, beyond that, just knowing the player and knowing what he's done over the years, I think he's, you know, I, I don't think he's going to make the team. I just think that the the, the Sabres have built, you know, a-, a roster that I think they should feel comfortable with and they have enough guys that-, that should go through. Maybe he'll, you know, get the nine games or something. I just don't see how he's going to fit in on a team that has aspirations of contending for a playoff spot this year. Um, That said, I mean, he's a highly competitive individual. He plays the game hard, um, doesn't have the great size, but he's tenacious. You know, I think the skating ability is another thing that's, uh, you know, it's, it's not quite USHL or sorry, NHL um, caliber. Yet, but I don't, I don't think it's, well, I shouldn't say that he can skate in the NHL level. It's just a matter of, you know, getting, continuing to get stronger, continuing to get, you know, more used to the, the NHL pace. Um, but the thing about him is, is, you know, I think that he's going to be able to go back to uh, a junior club where he's going to have a lot of success where, you know, I, I don't think he's outgrown junior hockey, even though you had such an exceptional season last year. Um, you know, so I don't think it's really a developmental concern at this point. I think that there's plenty uh uh plenty to be excited about with him. And uh, uh and yeah, so I mean I, I think that there's a lot to like about him. I think that even whether he makes the team or not this year, you know, this is a team that should be having very difficult rosters decisions at this point. Um and you know, I, I just have a hard time seeing him kind of fitting in there. I've seen a lot of
0: people rank him as the Sabers' top prospect, uh, and that's saying something given the prospect pool the Sabers have created over the past few years. It's one of the deepest pipelines in the league, uh, by many accounts. Uh, would you rank him currently at the top of the Sabers' prospect pool? Uh, and if so, like what does that say about him relative to the prospects the Sabers already have?
1: Yeah, you know, I think in terms of like future, in terms of his overall potential, in terms of what we, we think he'll be long term, I think, yes, you could put him at the very top of the of the list. I think he's ahead of Savoy. I think he's ahead of guys. I mean, you know, there there's to me, he's still a prospect. So I, I think Devin Levi might actually be the guy that that's the number one. Yeah. Um, but you can make a really good argument for, for Zach Benson. You know, I think Yuri Kulik as well is going to be a guy that is, is kind of figures into a scoring role, you know, probably a middle six scorer at the NHL level, you know, the question for Zach Benson is, is he going to be a, is he going to be that like a middle six energy player that makes plays and, and can score, or is he going to be a top six, top of the lineup type? That's the bigger question. So you know, I think that the, the Sabres have a lot of good problems right now and that they have so many young players. And it's hard to, you know, obviously Savoy's injury kind of takes the, him out of the equation for making the roster at this point. But at the same time, you've got, you know, so many guys that are are ste- stepping into big roles. I mean, the big question for me is is ultimately, you know, is Levi ready to be a full-time NHL or I think that's the bigger question than whether or not Zach Benson's going to make it or if he's the top prospect. But I think, you know, in what it says about him is, you know, one that he's usually the new guys are going to get a little bit more runway. They have more development time ahead of them. They have, you know, more of an unknown quantity about them. Uh, whereas, you know, we know what Devin Levi is. We have a pretty good idea of what Matt Savoy is. We have a pretty good idea of what Yuri Kulik is and, um, and, and a number of the other players, Rosen, uh, all those guys. So we have, we have a pretty general, good general idea. So we, we expect that the potential of a, um, uh, Zach Benson is going to kind of overtake um, and and be, you know, be the guy that that should ultimately be, um, if not the best NHL player of the group, you know, it's probably between him and, and Levi.
2: Uh, not not stepping away from just his on-ice play so far, but I don't know if you saw this, hurls I and mean, I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, Chris. It was a kind of release. You know, the Sabres do those like Sabres, like embedded videos. Yeah. He was a carny. Zach Benson was a carny. His family in Canada like, did a traveling amusement park. And he ran <laughs> the games and he was a carny. I, I was I, like, I,
1: is this some uh, slang that I don't know about? <laughs> See, when you when
2: you <laughs> tweeted that last night, I'd never heard that term before. You never heard of carnies before? No. Uh, People who city. were carnivals. I'm from the city, though, so. I don't I know. Even, you know. You're from Buffalo, dude. You should know what a carny is. I mean, I'm glad that I don't, to be honest. Uh, like joe but, remember joe dirt in the movie joe dirt when he's hanging out by the tilt that's a carney. yeah um
0: well but he, he was a carney that it was it was a really interesting video uh i heard the story when he got drafted um but i think the coolest part about it was that given that he was moving around so much in the, in the summer he went to a different hockey school like every single week he was learning so many different things from so many different people and so many different coaches and areas that it seemed like it not only like built character for him like working in the the mini donut stand at his parents like traveling carnival but he also like expanded his hockey game somehow so yeah it's, it's a really unique anecdote which is really cool
2: yeah and um what was it uh to he showed up to no no he didn't know. He didn't show up to the uh, the player interview at the combine. I I think there was another meeting that the Sabers had before the combine interview where he had the full blown mullet, and they even said to him. They even said to him when he walked into his combine, he was like, "Oh, I see, you got a haircut since last time. A little bit less party in the back, huh?" (laughs) And that's when you found out like he was running like amusement parks. I I thought it was funny, man. Like this guy. Not not only this guy can score like score and skate like the wind. He'll steal your, he'll steal your girl by winner the stuffed pig by popping four four or five balloons with one dart <laughs> I, uh, I just thought it was I thought it was really amusing because yeah you look at the kid at face value. It's like no that you know no way a kid was ever like he looks pretty clean cut like not not that he wasn't well brought up clearly as well brought up but like would have never guessed he was a carnival folk <laughs> but um getting away from that you uh you, you did bring up uh another point of uh point I want to talk about is uh, Devin Levi, in his first year as an NHL starter, me and Hurley have gone back and forth quite a bit about this, about what we expect his workload to be. I think he gets 50, 50 or more games, personally. I think last year he started six in a row. He started the most important games of the season when there was a playoff spot on the line. The Sabres showed they had a ton of faith in him. And right now, I mean, they do have a three-goalie rotation, as it looks like, going into this season again, between UP, uh, Levi, UPL, uh, Ukebeck Lukonen, and Eric Comrie. But I just think that with the lack – I want to say there's a lack of faith in that backup position, but I think it's more of a testament how much more faith they have in Levi and how highly Kevin Adams has been speaking about him, how highly John Grinnell has spoken about him. I think he gets 50 games.
1: I mean that's that's an awful lot, and, and you know, especially for a guy that's coming out of college hockey, and for you know, the the fact of the matter is, you know, goalies that that come into the NHL very rarely spend no time in the AHL, like very like 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 zero time. So my thing is, especially with the three goalie rotation, especially since he's waiver exempt, you know, I I. I would not be shocked if he plays a fair amount of AHL games this year. I have a lot of faith in him, too. I think he's an exceptional player. Um, I think if it comes down and and Comrie and and UPL aren't getting the job done, I think that he'll – I mean, like they're going to give him every opportunity to be the starter. Don't get me wrong. Like They're going to give him an opportunity here. But I just think that that is the one position – where it, what what they're trying to do with Levi just really hasn't been done. Not in a long time. Maybe like, I mean, even Ryan Miller played time in the AHL and he was the best college goalie in the history of the game. Um And... And that's, that's kind of where I'm like, oh, this will be interesting to see. Does he really do it? Because you have to take into a couple of things into account. You you know, the, the college schedule is very different. The, the Canadian junior schedule is very different. He did miss an entire year uh, with the exception of playing in the world juniors. So his development timeline is maybe a little bit out of whack in terms of what you'd normally see with a goalie. So what I would say is, is that while, while I think the Sabres are going to give him every opportunity to be that, I think that. Asking him or expecting him to play 50 or more games this year is asking probably too much of a goalie where you don't want to give him too much too soon. If there's a person that can handle it, it's Devin Levi. I think the mentality that he plays with, the the amount of work that he puts into his craft, the focus and the the mentality that he has are all going to allow him to do this. But I think we just have not seen – what the Sabres are trying to do with Levi in so long that I'm just not 100% sure I buy that he is the exception to that rule.
0: So, if he does play AHL games, as, as you say, do you think that would be an indication that he does eventually, like, let's say he starts the home opener and he plays the like maybe 55, 65% of the first 20 games of the season? Do you think that means that he will eventually struggle? to the point where they feel like they need to send him down to Rochester?
1: Well, I, I think usually when you're sending a goalie, like the main reason I'm sending him down is if you can't give him enough minutes and, and cause you want him to play, but I think you'd rather have him learn and develop at the AHL level. So yeah, if they, if they end up playing him as much as that at the beginning, I think the indication would be that he's, he's the guy and he's just going to stay. Um, But I think that you have to at least allow for the wiggle room to say, hey, you know, we're going to try this goalie rotation as it is right now. We're going to see how long it goes. Uh, There aren't many successful teams in the history of the NHL that ran three goalies over the course of a season. Um, And, you know, but it can happen. I mean, we'll look at what the the Golden Knights did last year. They had like five goalies that ended up playing for them last year. But the thing is, is that, you know, I, I just think that, what they do, the, the decision that they make at the beginning of the season is the most important decision they're going to make all year on Devin Levi. If it's you are the guy, you have to you have to at least be willing to, to accept that there are going to be growing pains and that he is either going to have to play through them or you're going to have to send him down to the AHL and you're going to have to make sure that he doesn't lose his confidence, that he doesn't lose any of that edge that he has because I think he's an exceptional player. Um, But I think that the decision that you make at the very beginning of the season, say, okay, we're going to give you a chance. And and the beginning of the season, that, that doesn't just extend. That's not, I'm not just talking about like what they do for opening night. He could be the opening night starter. He could, you know, play his way. And maybe he is the exception to the rule. Um, But I, I just think for, for Devin Levi, it's gotta be, um, decisive on everything about, you know, when we send him down, when, or if we don't send him down, how much is he going to play? Um, I just, I think with a, a, a major regular season plus playoffs for a player that hasn't played more than, you know, 40 games in a season in the last couple of years, I just, I, I think that you're asking for trouble when that happens. And as good as he is, and maybe he's a freak. Maybe he is an absolute freak. But I just I, I i like to side with history on these, and and I think history says that he's going to need more time than he's currently being expected to have.
2: I I, I tend to agree. I still think he probably gets forty five or more games. I mean, I'm more I'm more lean towards fifty because I think that just. We've had, you know, we've had Devin on the show in the past, and just spoken, spoken to people who know him personally, and how well he takes care of his body. Um, you know, just he's a, just a mental maniac. I mean, I, and I, I, I've spoken to a few of his teammates, and just like, but like they don't exaggerate. The kid is always stretching. He doesn't put junk in his body. He's always in the when he's he's always in the gym. Um, he's on the ice constantly. So I think in terms of workload, I don't think that'll be an issue with him personally. Um, And I also just from, again, from talking to him mentally, I just feel that like he's already got the maturity of an NHL veteran, not the experience, but the maturity of it, just the way he handles the game. We've seen it in post-game interviews when he got, you know, pumped for six goals against Detroit at the end of last season, you know, he said, there's nothing wrong with adversity. He was smiling ear to ear. He's like, we got the win, that's all that matters. And I don't really care what my stats say. We got the win. And you know, face a little adversity, you gotta find a way to bounce back when win face with it. Um, Carols, your thoughts? Yeah, I
0: I do think that 40 games should be the benchmark. Um, given everything Chris said and everything we've we've heard about this type of goalie at this juncture of his career. I do think the Sabres are on a little bit of a slippery slope here. Um they improve the defense. I would say a good amount, uh, bringing Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson. Um, And I think the team defense is going to improve. Uh, I think every projection about even the Sabres um, defense from an offensive perspective, like I read an article the other day, like Tage Thompson was one of the worst defensive forwards in hockey last season. Of course he made up for it with his offensive output. And he's projected to do that exact same last season. But I think the Sabres do need to figure out a little bit better how to defend in their own end. And that's not just the defense and puck watching. That's also wingers and centers doing their part as well. And relying on a kid who's 21 years old, who's played seven NHL games to just carry the workload in the season that it does feel like playoffs are bust is the expectation from not just the fan base, but from also the organization. I think it's a, it's a very slippery slope if Levi does struggle early on um, because you saw Luken, uh last night, and you saw his inconsistency last season. I don't think anyone's really confident in him. Uh, he's, his ceiling can be high. He can have good games here and there. But I think his consistency is an issue. And we still don't really know what we have with Connery. So it is tough. Uh, of course, like we all believe in Levi, and it would be amazing if he does turn out to be that freak. But I personally believe the best option would be Hopefully, bringing in somebody else, a guy like John Gibson, maybe even Hellebuck, if it, if it turns out there's a better option to bring him over. Um, I really do believe that would be a better plan for this team to confidently make the playoffs and maybe even make an impact.
2: I, I just don't think it'd be Hellebuck. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be tough,
0: obviously. In
2: an extension, I hear he wants close to close to like Bob money, which I don't think I don't think Kevin Adams would do. Um, Gibson, I mean, depends on the trade and how much Anaheim you will willing to retain, but, anyways, um, uh, but I, I, I digress. Uh, onto um, some other players in the uh, Sabre system right now uh, Matthew Savoy and Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, who is impressed in his first couple of games in the preseason, we, uh, you know, we've seen the hands, um, not really known for his offensive output, I think. You know, Sabers more of expenses expect a more uh, him to bring more stability to the blue line and the defensive zone. But he's shown some offensive flashes here in the preseason, uh, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty excited about him. Uh, Savoy getting injured early on, so we haven't really we haven't able to see much of him in the preseason. But he did get back on the ice today, I, I believe. Um, what are your expectations for those two players, uh, of Chris? Just uh, what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, I think for. For Savoy, the, the injury, it just kind of changes the expectations and timeline for for him, you know, what what he ends up doing with his, um, uh, you know, it, it's tough. I, I think it's it's a little tough to say, you know, exactly what's going to happen with the injury, depending on how quickly he's able to come back and, and stuff like that. But, you know, he wasn't a guy that I was penciling into the NHL lineup anyway, uh, not this year, but certainly, you know, in the future. Obviously, two great WHL seasons in the last two seasons that he's had. He got a little bit of a taste of the AHL last year. You know, I think that that's a guy that's you know could benefit from that. You know, when when the time comes, and um, you know, I think for him it's just kind of you have to kind of put him back on the shelf for a little bit and and let him you know get back to to normal after the injury. I don't think it'll be something that's a long term thing or anything like that, but just you know giving him an opportunity to get better. Um, As far as Ryan Johnson goes, he's a really interesting player in a number of fronts. I mean, you know, we we know how long it took to get the deal done, too, in terms of was he going to sign? Was he not? Did the Sabres even want to sign him? You know, like there was a lot of different speculation out there in terms of what ultimately was going to happen. In the end, that cost him time with, you know, didn't get any NHL games last year, did not get any AHL games last year. So I, I think he's going to be an all year AHL player. I think he's probably going to have to learn the ropes. I think Seth Afford is one of the better developmental coaches in the, in, in the entire American hockey league. Um, I think he'll benefit from his coaching. And I also think that he's going to have to be patient because obviously, as we know, the Sabres have a log jam of defense now. And, and he's going to have to find a way to figure into that. Um, I really think you know the, the the athletic tools that he has and the hockey sense defensively that he has. I think are are very strong and should allow him to compete. I think he's probably a five six defenseman long term. I don't think he's a top four guy. I don't think the offense is ever going to come in a way that is meaningful in term at the NHL level. Um, I, I you know I don't think he's going to be on your power play. Don't you know he's probably going to be a penalty killer, more of a shutdown guy um, who can move pucks well enough. Um, I like the player, you know, I don't like him as a first round prospect. I think that's always hard to, you know, these guys get these numbers put on them. And then that comes with a certain level of expectation. And if he went one pick later, you know, we wouldn't have the same level of expectation on him. So I think that that's part of the other thing is that, you know, last year when the Sabres were considering it, I was like, you know, I wouldn't. I think he's probably worth a second round. Like the reason that you keep him is, is he any, is he worth any more than a late second round pick? And I think, yes, he is. Um, And, and now it's going to be on him to take that next step. Um, And, you know, with a late second round pick, that's a guy you still expect to play in the NHL. um, And that's what he ultimately should, should be expected to do. I think you've got guys like Clifton and Johnson as stop gaps, you know, guys that won't necessarily be part of the long-term solution there. Ryan Johnson won't have as many roadblocks in front of him, and then you know he should be able to to get through. But I think both of those players are, are guys that you know you should be excited about. They should make an uh, an impact down the road um, to varying degrees. But um, I think it'll now you know you're going to have to wait to see him. I think.
2: And so another that, thing too, when you talk about high expectations, is he was part of that Ryan O'Reilly deal, and until Tage Thompson, you know, just after Granado made the move for him to put him at center, you know, we thought that that, that was one of the worst deals in hockey history. And it turns out, I mean, with him winning the Selkie, that's uh, no, right. The Selkie, the Consummate in the cup the dairy next year, um, you know, we thought maybe Ryan Johnson would be the, the single bright spot of that, of that deal until Tage really turned his career around uh, under Granado. So, I mean, again, with, you know, I, I guess, I guess I'm saying that Tage might have, you know, taken that burden away from the expectation on Johnson. Again, with him being a end of the first round pick. But like 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 I said, like with the Orion O'Reilly deal being attached to that, there were even more expectations, at least from us here in Buffalo on him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say manage those expectations.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, one other defensive prospect, uh, not a lot of Sabres fans, I think no—at least the ones that aren't diving too deep into it—but I think Nikita Novikov is uh, a pretty interesting prospect. And I guess so from just from your perspective, having probably watched him a lot more than than the the average fan, what have you seen from him, and what do you project he could be in the NHL potentially?
1: Yeah. So, to be perfectly honest, I haven't watched him a lot. Um, you know, I think last year I spent a lot more time on the uh, the drafted prospects, but you know, in terms of you know what I've seen over the years from Novikov and you know, I think what we're seeing from Russian players in general out of um, out of these these different um, like the 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 amount that they get to play. Um, you know, it's great that he's in North America. I think that there's obviously a lot of things to like about him. I didn't watch a ton of Russian hockey last year with the exception of watching, you know, a fair amount of, of Maffei mitchkov and guys like that, uh, Simashev and, and and players like that. You know, I think you look at him and, you know, obviously the size stands out to you. You know, he's got good mobility. I think that he's, he's going to have to learn the North American game. That's the next step for him. Um, Didn't necessarily produce a lot in the KHL. That's not really a concern for a player at his age. We don't expect, you know, under 20 defensemen in the KHL just don't produce. They they don't. But when you have a guy at his size, his mobility, his overall skill set, you see the ceiling. And so this season is going to be very educational, not just for him, but I think for the Sabres as well to figure out what kind of role can he play. Again, now we're talking about another left shot defenseman. As if, the, you know, the the Sabres don't have enough of those guys, you know, this is kind of an embarrassment of riches, which is a great thing to have. Um, but the other thing, too, that can happen with Russian players as well is if they don't adjust well and it's kind of getting a little, you know, they're not getting what they want, you know, the, there's not a lot of time before they want to go back to Russia. Um, so that's the other thing you kind of have to consider with players like Novikov, who, you know, is leaving – the KHL for this NHL dream um, as those players tend to find out it's not as it's it's still pretty difficult and the AHL is a tough league to play in and you know I personally think it's a better league than the, the KHL Um, there's more skill in the KHL maybe but I, I think the AHL is the second best league in the world and that's a big jump for a player for for him to you know to, to get in there so um, I'd say cautious optimism because of the toolkit, because of you know the, the way that the minutes that he played last year um, in Russia, like significant time uh, when he when he got when he when he went back to the U20 ranks and then, you know, modest time when he was in the KHL. So um, he's got a lot of development time left. So be patient and uh, we'll just have to wait and see exactly what he'll ultimately become.
2: You mentioned his name earlier, uh, another player that we're pretty excited about in Buffalo, uh, Yuri Kulik, um, a guy that has really shown have one of the more heavier shots possibly in the organization. Um, you know, you look at players like Victor Olofsson who, you know, sat – again, we talked about Levi playing, starting the most important games uh, of the season last year, whereas Olofsson, a guy known to put pucks in the back of the net. Sat was a healthy scratch at the end of last season in those same games. Um Yuri Kulik has been, you know, expressed to be a replacement if Buffalo decides to move on from Victor Olofsson because he has a very similar shot, uh, but also is much better. Oh, I'm not gonna say much better, but better uh on both on all three uh in all three areas of the ice. Um just your thoughts on him.
1: Yeah, I mean I I like the player a lot. You know, I think he's the closest you know, outside of Levi, they're probably the closest to NHL ready at this point. Um, you look at what he did at the, the World Juniors last year. You look at what he did in Rochester. Um, you look at what he did in the playoffs last year. Um, those are all significant indicators that the goal scoring is going to translate to the next level. Um, I think that he's one of those guys where you, you might want to give him, you know, several opportunities at the NHL roster in, in an elevated role. You have to surround him with the right talent. Yuri Kulik is a finisher more than he is a driver. He can drive play. We've seen him do it. He's he can make, but but you want him as a scoring winger, and that usually needs to come with a playmaking center. Um, you know, because I or he. I mean, he could play center. I think he's a wing in the NHL personally. Um, but you know, I think that that's that's where we're gonna have to wait and see. You know, basically how the roster plays out. If he goes back to the AHL. You, you just expect that dominance to continue. And as it does, it becomes harder and harder to leave a guy like that in the AHL. Um, I think that he's probably going to be, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't finish the season with the Sabres. I think he'll be on the roster in the critical times of the year um, when they're chasing down playoff spots and maybe into the playoffs. He's gotten that experience of last year in the Calder Cup playoffs um, where he, you know, his game showed no drop off at all. Um, you know, this is a player that I have watched quite a bit, a player that I've spent more time on. Um, and I just, I really, I, I think his shooting and scoring ability are NHL caliber. And when you have that as one of your primary traits, teams are going to find a way to get you into the lineup. Um, so as a potential long-term replacement to Olafson, I think that's probable, you know, in terms of, I think that there's, there's a, there's an upside there that suggests that Kulik is on that path. Um, but man, I I just think that this is a player that the Sabres should be really excited about. I think, you know, as good as Benson is, he's still a few, a little ways away, whereas Kulik, I think, is on the cusp. And so, you know, you you get a little bit more instant gratification with him as a prospect.
0: Short term, uh, do you think it's possible, given the injury to Jack Quinn for at least probably the first half of the season, is it within the realm of possibility, he could contribute in the first half of the season for the Sabres? Or do you think he starts in Rochester and potentially comes up with another injury?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's ultimately going to determine, you know, these, these last couple of roster spots probably determined by camp and and how players play and and what the makeup of the team looks like. I mean, I think it's not, it's certainly not on the realm of possibility that he makes an impact um, and, it, 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 and enough of a way to, to get a, himself onto the roster. I think it just kind of depends on what the team ultimately looks like, who's playing well. And then, you know what what kind of spots they have in him and where they can maximize his ability, because I think the one thing you don't want to do with a goal scorer is take him out of his rhythm um, and you want him to continue to kind of develop in terms of, hey, this, this is a guy that if, if you're going to put him on the NHL roster, he's got to play. You can't sit him in the press box. You can't, you know, and if you don't trust him enough to play him, then he's got to be in the AHL. Um, and that's, I think that's really where it comes down. To. So I think he's on the cusp. I think it's, it's, it's not unreasonable to expect that he could challenge for a spot. I thought at the end of last season that he was really going to challenge for a spot. And then you just kind of look at the, the Sabres roster and say, wow, where, where, where exactly, you know, where are the holes at this point up front? Um, cause you do have to remember, I mean, these still are young players. This is a guy that's still going to be eligible for the, uh, for the world juniors this year. So, you know, like it's not it's not like uh, he's, he's, he's like a fully finished product. So I think you, you take your time and, and, but boy, I mean, I think he's, he's got all the tools um, to be a contributor pretty quickly.
2: Um, and again, with such a young lineup for Buffalo uh, and I, I got, we spoke about it before we came live on air. Uh, what would your expectations be for this young Sabres lineup? Obviously you've covered a lot of these players very recently, Dylan Cousins, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka. You know, we just talked about Yuri Kulik and Zach Benson. You know, again, we don't think Benson Honestly, we don't think Benson will get to the lineup, but we would expect that he would go back to junior. Um, Devin Levi and Nets, you know, and just the Owen Power, Darlene. Just so much this youth movement for Buffalo. Like, what would your expectations be for them? Is it playoffs? I mean, with how close they got last year – uh, do you do you think they should they, they the expectation I mean, the expectation should always be win the Stanley Cup, but realistically, do they break the playoff drought this year?
1: I, I think they do. I do I do. I think that this is the year to to get back in there. Um I think they're starting to remind me a little bit more of of you know kind of the the lightning teams of of years past where we're also seeing ahl success mirrored like i think the americans are going to be a really good team in the ahl next year compete for calder cup you know before the a lot of those guys on the on the lightning won a stanley cup they won a calder cup with norfolk um you know i think that this is this is an organization that's on the cusp i love uh, you know i think the top six is a is a legitimate nhl top six yes it's you know a little bit younger um you know but maybe not as much at the top line, but, you know, when you have Dylan Cousins anchoring a second line or you have, you know, Casey Middlestat. does he continue to, you know, pile it up like he did last year in a way that, you know, really finally we got to see, you know, his game. Um, you know, I think depth is certainly, depth at forward, you know, could it be better? Maybe, um, you know, could it be, could you have a little bit more scoring towards the bottom of your lineup? But I mean, like, let's say Olafson or Kulik is on that third line. You know, there's, there's some legitimate scoring pop there. Um, you know, and then I, really the, the big question mark for me is goaltending. Is it Devin Levi's year? Is he going to be, you know, I, I just looking at it, I think last year was the first year he played more than 40 games in a season when you factor in the games that he played with the Sabres. Um, and you also have to keep in mind that the college, you know, the college schedule is week, mostly weekends. In the Hockey East, they do have some midweek games, but not it's not like consistently that way. Um, you know, I don't think you, you can look at this team and say, Oh, there is a Stanley cup winning goalie on there right now at this point, maybe Devin Levi is that long-term. Um, but I, I think that, you know, this is a team that's going to have to go through some adversity. Once you get into the playoffs, it's been a long battle to get there. Getting there would be a huge accomplishment. You know, would they win around? It's harder to say, um, that, because I think that as the. As time goes on, experience is going to matter, and and this is just a team that just doesn't have a lot of playoff experience at its disposal. So I would say that, you know, this this should be a year where your expectation is playoffs, and then beyond that, everything else is kind of icing on the cake. Um, but there is a lot to like about the Sabres team. I think it's one of the more exciting uh, young cores in the league. Um, you know, when you have two number one picks on the blue line in Darlene and Power, I mean – think about just years and years and years of those two guys, you, you can go through an entire game and one of them will always be on the ice by the time they're really at their peak. So uh, that's a pretty good thing to have. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the Sabres do. I hope it's the year just for the sake of the good people of Buffalo and for yourselves, because uh, uh, it's been a long ride and it has been a lot of pain and it's been a lot of, you know, stops and starts on rebuilds and, Sometimes you got to rebuild at the right time, and sometimes you got to, you know, get lucky. And, and you know, Tage Thompson is a late bloomer, and you know, you get a Dylan Cousins fall your way in the draft, and you know, you get different guys that that are there. You get two first overall picks, and it just so happens that you have two elite defensemen there, um, at at, at with Darlene and Power. I mean, those are the things; those are the breaks that you need. And now we have to see if they're going to get the breaking goaltending as well, because that's really, you know, the linchpin of of any contending team is to have quality goaltending and or or good enough goaltending and i guess we're going to find out soon if that's the case in buffalo
0: um you mentioned the young tampa bay teams i guess that reminds me to bring up the news that came out today of vasilevsky being out potentially the first two months of the season uh boston's getting older it doesn't look like they have uh the quality at the top of the lineup that they used to especially at center um i think there are questions in toronto Uh, especially in the Atlantic division, like how much do you think the Atlantic division, which used to be arguably the best division in hockey, like how much do you think that division or the rest of the teams in the division potentially falling off this year factors into the Sabres potentially breaking that playoff drought?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, I think it looks to me like it's Toronto and everybody else in this division. Um, I think the lightning will still be there two months for Veselovsky, Miskin is awful, but it's not, crippling um for that group i mean i, I think that it's there's going to be some problems there i think boston is kind of going to take some steps back we'll see if their goaltending holds up this year you know losing bergeron and crechey it's just you can't replace those guys so um that's going to be a, a bit of a challenge i don't think detroit's ready yet i don't think that the the canadians are even close yet um, you know, so then that, that creates a lot of openings and opportunity. And that's why I really do think that the Sabres have a legitimate chance to be one of the, you know, the top three teams in this division, um, this year. And, and, you know, I think it, it's just gonna, you, you don't, you can't win the Stanley cup in eight in October, but you certainly can lose it. You know, you can lose your playoff spot in October, and November, so getting off to a good start, building that optimism and letting things snowball is going to be critical, especially if you can pick up wins before the, the Bruins get into their rhythm, before the Lightning get into their rhythm. You know, trying, try and stockpile points when you can. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just I do think that the that division itself is is weak this year um, and it's there for the taking. And, and so, you know, when we talk about it, sometimes you do need that luck to play out and timing to work out. And I think that'll be the case for uh, uh, for the Sabres this year.
2: Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. Um, before we let you go, uh, I just have one more question. Well, it's like a two part question. Sure. Uh, you mentioned Casey Middlestat's name earlier, uh, a player that really uh, <clears throat> has been criticized a lot in Buffalo in the past for, you know, I got a first round pick, never really, you know, hitting even what. Like, you know, meeting remotely, meeting expectations. And then this past season, not analytically, but the eye test, he was doing everything. You know, he was scoring, Purdue, you know, he was a playmaker, you know, great five on five player, killing penalties, can play on the power play, was versatile up and down the lineup. Um, just your thoughts and expectations for him is he going to pick up right where he left off? And uh, Peyton Krebs, you know, the one of the two parts of the. Jack Eichel deal. Uh, Alex Tuck, you know, he's as advertised. He's been not just a phenomenal on-ice producer, but just a presence in the locker room. But Peyton Krebs, a guy who I think will be some pretty, you know, high expectations for this year because, again, another first-round pick. A lot of skill there, but, you know, hasn't really been able – and, again, it's a tough top top six to crack, but really hasn't been given the opportunity – to really show show his skill set even on the second power play unit.
1: Yeah you know so I'll, I'll go to the middle stat one first. I mean last year was the best hockey I've seen him play since his draft year um, and his draft year was exceptional. Um, I even I thought he played like I didn't love his freshman season at, at Minnesota. I was pretty surprised when he signed with Buffalo right after the the, the one season there. I think it was a huge mistake for both him and the team. Um, and that's another great example of too much too soon and why patience can really pay off. It's taken Casey this long to overcome some of those hurdles. It's also taken him a different mentality and it's taken better players around him, And so you, You know, I was just I was even forgetting until I just looked at it now because I was like, geez, it feels like he's been around forever. He's only 24, you know, so like these are supposed to be his prime years, 23, 24, 25, 26. These are supposed to be when he hits his stride. And it just so happens to coincide with the Sabres getting better. So those that combination is why I think he's going to be really good. Peyton Krebs, same thing, 22 years old. He's a guy that's had to deal with a number of injuries in his career. You know, he had the Achilles injury right at the beginning uh, in his draft year, which was like, what is that going to do for him? But he is such an intelligent player. He's versatile. He can fit a lot of different roles. He can play. And I don't think he's going to complain about the role that he gets. Um, I think for him, you know, the the goal should be to be among the top nine forwards on the team this year, uh, to be a contributor, to be a scoring depth option. Um, I think that his point total will go up this year. And I do think that he has the potential to be, you know, a solid third line guy long term, if if not, you know, potentially moving to the top six. Again, he's one of those guys where, you know, we, we put the first round designation on a player and if they don't become a star, it's viewed as a bust. Well, he was a mid round first round pick already on his second organization, part of a massive trade. So he's got all this additional pressure because of that. Um, but I really do think that he's he's a he's a legit player for this team. I think he's a legit NHL center, and I think that he'll be a long term, you know, good player for um, you know for this team. I think it, even if he's on the wing, it doesn't matter if he's center or wing. Like you know, I think he's going to find a role and and it and define it however he has to and and. You know, be a contributor. So, I think that that's that's what makes me excited about the Sabers is that we've just seen Casey Middlestat take a step. We've seen Peyton Krebs, you know, we've seen Dalene take you know a a big step forward. We've seen I think Owen Powers poised for a big step. You know, not all of that is like that. In the best case scenario, everyone takes a step. That probably isn't going to happen. But I think that the Sabers, as a whole, are in such a better place now than they were even last year, and that they have been in, in, in many years previous. And it's because there's that that just abundance of young talent that's going to make an impact on this team.
2: Should they sign Patrick Kane?
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. Why? Like, the thing is, is, if you sign Patrick Kane at a discount. You know, we know that he wasn't himself last year. We know that he was injured. I think he's still one of, you know, he's, he's probably the best American player in the history of the game. Um, he'll be surpassed by either Matthews or Hughes, you know, in this at this point. But I think that, that he is... The opportunity that... How much it would mean to him, I think, to play there, to be part of the solution there, um, would be great. I also think there is such a dearth of championship experience on this roster. Yes. It's nice to have Eric Johnson. Um, you know, it's nice to have guys that have done it. The one thing is, is if things are going well for Buffalo, I don't think you want to, you know, depending on when Kane would even be ready. You, you know, I think you'd like this group to stand on its own two feet, but if you have that opportunity to bring in a Kane. And if he wants to come there and if he wants to play there, you know, you have to explore it. You're not doing your job if you're not, because this is a team that should have playoff expectations. And, a, and he's a player that has done it all in this league and can be, you know, a guiding force for the rest of this team. I think he's matured a lot over the years. I think that he understands that time is short for him um and sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's a thing that can can really um focus a player in and uh you know to do it at home for him I'm sure would mean a lot so yeah I mean but it's it, it again it's you know it's it's a tough decision right and I think the price would have to be right and you'd have to make sure the term was right and everything else but it's intriguing especially with the skill that that he'd have to play with on this roster
0: my question was sort of related to Middlestat and Krebs, but I guess, like, who fills in for Quinn on that second line with Cousins and Faterka? And I guess that answer theoretically could be Patrick Kane. If, if the timing was right, of course, he might not be ready for a month or two. But is that Casey Middlestat to start the season? And how do you think he factors in with that line uh, replacing Jack Quinn early on?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I I think it very well could be Casey, um, you know, and I think if he's going to bring the skill level that we saw last year, if he's going to bring the grit and tenacity that were not part of his game, I mean, really, just not, you know, at any point, <laughs> he really needed to find it, um, and I think he did. He had to get beat up a little bit to find it, but I, I I think that he makes the most sense. I think that he I've always felt that more more comfortable with him as a winger than a center um anyway I think that he brings a lot of those things you know I wouldn't it, it, depending on how you feel about the center position it wouldn't stun me if you know you try to you try Peyton Krebs up there as well um and give him that boost of playing with the Cousins playing with the Paterka you know those guys could really feed off of each other so you know I think that it, the great thing is is Don Granado has pushed a lot of the right buttons already so Whatever Donnie decides, I'm good with because uh, he's one of the smartest hockey people I've been around. And um, just to see the the breath of fresh air that he's brought to this franchise as a head coach um, and his just complete understanding of the market and of, you know, the the misery and everything else, um, you know, I think he's the right guy for, for this time in this franchise, and they'll take a step with him this year, and, and I can't wait to see it.
2: Uh, just an update, uh, just because we were just talking about uh, goaltending not too long ago. One-one uh, game. Eric Hamry has stopped four breakaways in a row. So with the UPL performance, which I don't, I don't really put too much stock into preseason performances. Um, you know, that's good.
1: <laughs> it, you know, it's
2: it, it's they had an AHL lineup out there in front of UPL last night, and I mean. With the exception of the first goal, I'm not going to put two shorthanded breakaways on him, no way. Um, but Comrie definitely is stepping up given the opportunity here, uh, hoping to possibly win that backup position. And again, that is as close to an NHL lineup as you're going to get from Pittsburgh in the preseason, without a doubt. So, Eric Comrie, four, four breakaway stops in a one, one tight one one game so far in the preseason. Um, Chris, thank you so I mean, actually, Hurley, do you have anything else?
1: Yeah, no, I'm good.
2: Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Chris. That
1: was great. Hey, my pleasure guys. Yeah. It's an exciting time. And I hope you guys enjoy this season. I think it'll be a fun one.
2: Yeah, I, I do. Um, I'm excited for the 12th against the Rangers. I know uh, Hurls will be in town from Cali. Excited to get together with him and have a beer and you know watch the Sabres play the Rangers and hopefully uh, lightning strikes twice for Devin Levi and in his NHL regular, uh, you know, season home, home opener debut, I guess. Um, you know, beats the Rangers once again. So, that being said, uh, this has been episode 140 of Two Goalies One Mike, Chris from Flow Hockey. Do you have anything you actually you want to promote before uh, we, we uh, cut off here?
1: Just flow, flowhockey.tv, talking hockey sense podcast. Go check it out. We got a lot of great games coming up, uh, you know, on, on the platform, USHL, ECHL. College hockey. We got a lot of stuff coming up for the people out in Buffalo, Niagara, uh, Canisius. They're they're on flow hockey as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. So I hope hope uh, hope everybody checks that out and also uh, enjoys this uh, this season. I really cannot wait to get it started.
2: Yep. And I hope we can get you on again at some point this year. Um, again, I think out of uh, all of our guests out of 140 uh, episodes, you've. Uh, been our most recurring guests and i always appreciate <laughs> having you on man uh it's always a blast so hey my uh, pleasure guys
1: it's a lot chris, of fun
2: chris peters from flow hockey i am dwayne steinel for connor early this has been episode 140 of two goalie episode 140 of two goalies one mike brought to you by outlet liquor the place to buy a case on georgia boulevard tell them the boys from two goalies to sent you and they will take care of you uh for all your game night and bill's game day needs uh, This has been Two Goalies, One Mike signing off. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you later. Hey, everybody. This is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey?